Mr. Brexit himself, the most sensible British politician since Thatcher, with the wisdom of Churchill. That's the best way I can describe Nigel Farage. He stood in the breach and pushed the UK through a stalled Brexit, one of the greatest battles we've seen against globalist tyranny in decades. And he's joined us in the economic war room to encourage us that the battle can be won here. Welcome, Nigel. Thank you very much. So good to have you here. You're on America's comeback tour, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a big story in a sense because I know so many American conservatives have been depressed, down, frankly, to the point of disillusionment. And yes, there's a lot to be unhappy about the way social media behaves, mainstream media behaves, election integrity, many of the proposals that Biden's putting, division in the cities, Marxist organization. I mean, there's a long list of things. Long the list. This but, is the bad. And I get all of that. But here's the point that disillusionment, the danger of it is it can become a self fulfilling prophecy. And my job here, and I've come with Freedom Works, a big conservative grassroots organization, is to go and talk to the men and women that do the hard slog, do the shoe leather, you know, put stuff through doors, put signs up, have conversations, and to say to them, imagine how we felt in 2019. We voted for Brexit in the summer of 16, right. nearly three years on, despite the fact we had a piece of legislation telling us we'd leave on March 29th, 2019, we woke up on March the 30th, and not only hadn't we left, but many were saying we'd never leave. Right. That, the, that simply the British people were too thick, too stupid, they'd made a mistake, and life would continue as normal. And I led a fight back against that, quite a dramatic fight back right. against that. Um, and we finally, we, we got rid of Mrs May, who was frankly a treacherous Prime Minister. Uh, we got the Conservative Party to rethink, because otherwise it would have disappeared from view completely and now we've got brexit and whilst it may not be perfect because no victory is ever absolutely perfect we've got brexit a 70 percent approval rating amongst the british public so Phenomenal. it's it's done it's done there's a big settled majority for it but into the bargain all the issues that brexit raised have now destroyed the socialist labor party in england they are unconscious on the floor on the floor and so my message is to these activists that if we can come back against the entirety of the global establishment and not just get Brexit but defeat socialism, I'm absolutely certain that with the right attitude uh, you know, and, and, and the right work ethic that you can do the same here too. Well, I've noticed that you've not chosen the big media centers for your tour. You've not just focused on where typically someone who comes in, they'll go to Los Angeles, yeah. they'll go to New York and, and they'll go to maybe Miami and Dallas if we're lucky. But you've actually picked Heartland America in a lot of cases. Yeah, very much so. Uh, very much so. Uh, because, you know, the other side have an army. The left have an army. They've got the students in university. They've got the trade unions. They've got their ground army. And a lot of people who care about current affairs don't understand just how important grassroots activity, work on the ground really is. So, yeah, I've been going out to where the people are. Um, and... You know, some of them are very important states. Arizona next week, f for argument's sake. Right. I mean, clearly, clearly a very important state, not just now, but going ahead for 2022 and 2024. So that's been the object, is to meet thousands and thousands of people and to try and G them up, give them a sense of optimism and tell them, get ready, get out there and fight because the Democrats are making some fatal mistakes. They're making the same kind of mistakes the British Labour Party made. There are large numbers of working class, lower income Americans, from families who voted Democrat perhaps for generations, right. who do not like this, this 
hatred of the flag, this tearing down of American history, even talking down the founding fathers, right. you know, you know who made this nation. I mean, there's a feeling out there that the new wave of left-wing Democrats don't actually like the country very much at all. And that's just what we had from the British Labour Party. On top of that, you've got the border crisis and immigration. Uncontrolled immigration affects working families more than it does the rich. So I think for, no all, for all of these reasons, I think there's a lot to fight for. No, we've seen that flip. You know, when I was growing up, the Republicans were the party of the rich and the privileged. Yeah. But that's not the case. Nope. The, nope. There is, there is a realignment of politics going on across the Western world. I said in 2012, in, 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 a, in a TV interview, I said, I'm going to cause an earthquake in British politics. Well, some people thought that was very funny, but I have. Right, and there, and there is this dramatic realignment, and, and you know, we'll perhaps come to it in a bit, but I think there are reasons, actually, for conservatives to be quite positive about the future, despite how tough it feels today. It doesn't feel good. I mean, the, all the bad things, the cancel culture. I mean, when you have uh, an individual saying that a man cannot bear children, and they get banned from Twitter yeah. for, for hate speech. Yeah. You know, a biological fact and get banned for Twitter for hate speech. When we see those kinds of things, it is very depressing. It seems like the whole world is against us, and particularly our own government, our own media, and so forth. Yeah, but the truth is, just as Middle England didn't go along with any of this stuff, or we've now proved that in a series of elections, do you really think ordinary families living in America, doing their jobs, bringing up their kids, do you think they're impressed by any of this? No. I don't. I don't. So it's almost a sort of media and social media echo chamber, but it doesn't reflect the majority. I mean, just take, for example, a little issue, little issue, I say little is quite important, of photo ID to vote. Right. How, I mean, suddenly in Georgia, that's being portrayed to be racist and, 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 and to be crazy and to be awful. And yet, opinion poll out last week, 75% of Americans, which means half of Democrat voters, think that photo ID is a very good idea for the integrity of elections. Well, of course it is. Of course, well, yeah, of course it is. Is there one other progressive leftist thing that you can accomplish without an ID? They want you to show your papers for, for absolutely everything. everything. Yep. But the one yep. place where it really does count, they don't want I know. it. I, it just makes no sense. But as I say, you know, those sitting at home watching this uh, and, and thinking, oh goodness me, is everything lost? No, the vast majority think this stuff is nonsense. The vast majority do not want their children taught critical race theory. The vast majority do not want to be us all to be, to be divided up into black and white and, 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 and so that in the end we all hate each other. I mean, this is a Marxist agenda. Absolutely. It's a Marxist agenda and the pawns are well-meaning people who just don't see through this for what it is. But I think the vast majority of people understand something very, very bad is happening. And you know, 50 years ago, Martin Luther King, you know, I want my four children to be judged not by the colour of their skin, but by the content of their character. And now we're judging everybody by the colour of their skin. By the way, that is what you just said was a very racist comment. Was it? Yeah, it was, because it, we don't want to bring character into this, and, and absolutely <laughs> we want to bring color. All right, we're, we're going to need to take a break, but I want to yeah. dive into, I know your background's financial services. Your father's a stockbroker, my father's a stockbroker. I think that's a big part of the solution that we have coming up. So we'll take a break, and we'll be back with some solutions, what we can do to turn this around.
Okay, so we know the problems. It is a globalist Marxist agenda, and they've captured the long march through the institutions, yep. like Gramsci says. We've gone through the education and even into financial services, where we both have a background. I, your father was a stockbroker, is that right? Yep, and his father before him, and I was in commodities. I worked for Drexel Burnham Lambert. Did you? Really? I did in the 1980s, and then I was for nine years at Revco, the Chicago uh, brokers. So, so my working life before politics was chiefly for American financial services companies. And now the American financial services companies have gotten into this woke investing ESG where they're trying to take people's money and push the Marxist agenda with it. Astonishing. I mean, the degree to which the corporate world uh, has, has followed this agenda uh, is astonishing. It is alarming. It tells us we're not living in capitalism anymore. This is not capitalism. Right. This is corporatism. This is where big business, big government and one or two big banks work together on virtually everything, create a regulatory framework in which it's very difficult for new entrants to come into the market, right. very difficult for the little man, the little woman, uh, even to survive COVID in many cases because their businesses have been closed down. So we, ha so we absolutely need the conservative movements to get back some of the thinking that was around in the 1980s. You know, Thatcher and Reagan actually understood right. that real economic growth doesn't come from a handful of big companies, it comes from millions of individuals, entrepreneurs, taking risks, doing things. The, the real economic growth that's healthy comes from the bottom up. And sure, a lot of those businesses don't make it, but that is the free market. Now, we have a handful of big businesses running everything, and when they fail, the taxpayer bails them out. That is not capitalism. No, the, the that's cronyism. That's it. So supply side, I actually believe that supply side economics, uh, conservative political movements, understanding that the little guy, the little woman, has not been given an even break over the course of these last couple of decades is a very important way forward, not just for conservative movements to get votes, but to get real economic growth back. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that you talk about, which is the middle of uh, the country, the middle of America, yeah. what we're doing in the economic war room is we're helping people weaponize their money. Because you've worked in financial services. The truth is, the money does not belong to Wall Street. It belongs to the pensioner. It belongs to the individual. It yes. belongs to the investor. And so we've been training them. That's part of what we do on this program, to weaponize their money. They're spending, they're giving, and they're investing so that it preserves America instead of destroys America. Yeah, and there is their own savings as well. I mean, I, so I actually do a daily newsletter on this, um, aimed at people who are saving, aimed at people who are building up uh, for pensions. And I've noticed, you know, if we just give our money to the money men in London and say, look after this for us, please, over the course of the next 30 years, about 25% of it just disappears right. in fees and everything else, and they haven't done a very good job with it. I think one of the problems with financial services and with investing is it, it, it's always surrounded by this mystique, as if the industry is almost saying, look, you're the little people, right. we're the experts. We're the high priests, we, know we will tell what to we bless We know what's not. best for you. So right. actually, when you unravel this stuff, and, 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 and people can understand how they can invest in gold, uh, how they can invest in stocks, you know, what the pitfalls are to avoid, um, there's no mystique about it at all. And, and I'm absolutely convinced that you're doing the right thing people with sensible advice, just following a few basic rules, can do much better for themselves than trusting the big guys on Wall Street. Well, they're pushing ESG. We talked about environmental, yep. social justice, governance. We promote LSV, liberty, personal liberty, economic liberty, so free enterprise, true yep. capitalism. Security, personal security, like our Second Amendment, but also national security, 
and values, which would be Judeo-Christian Western civilization mm. values. And we've done surveys. We hired John McLaughlin, he did a survey. Yeah. He said they much prefer, people much prefer LSV over ESG. <laughs> well, I'm sure that's right. So hopefully, hopefully people will start giving far less money uh, to these big companies that are, that are pursuing that. And also what we do see, isn't it? Go woke, go broke. Yes, <laughs> exactly. We do see that almost everywhere. So what we've done is we've actually modeled after Dunkirk. We've mm -hmm. talked about Dunkirk. After Dunkirk, we modeled the idea that the small ships have to save us. So the big Wall Street Navy is not going to save America. We need the individual ship. So we train individual client-facing financial advisors who realize, like my dad's a stockbroker. He told me back in 1968 when he started, he said, I don't work for the company whose name is on the door. I work for the client. And if the company whose name on, is on the door is not serving the client, he moves to a new company mm -hmm. uh, because his job, it's their money, and his job is to serve the client. So we're training financial advisors as part of, of what we do here in the economic war room. Because people, if they weaponize their money, I think we can make a difference. I think we can take the country back just following the Brexit pattern that you've laid out. Yep, it just needs self-confidence. I mean, isn't that the key to almost everything in life? You've got to have a bit of belief in yourself, your community, your country, and it's surprising what you can do. Yeah, well, if we give in and let the government take care of us, which is what the whole message of the pandemic has been, mm. let the government take care yeah. of us, we'll give out lots of money, and then we'll raise taxes. That just is a path to socialism. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the pandemic has been, in terms of personal liberty, the, the, the pandemic has been a bit of a disaster, right. uh, you know, on both sides of the pond and all around the Western world. And isn't it amazing? Governments take powers very quickly. Yes, and they give them up. But very they're slow. very, yeah. very slow, very tardy in giving them back. So, the, again, these are all big battles that all of us must fight right. over the next few years. Well, and we're uh, big battles coming up on taxes. Mm -hmm. And I've got a quote here from Churchill For a nation to tax itself into prosperity is like a man standing in a bucket and trying to lift himself up by the handle. <laughs> he was good for a quote, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah, well, you're facing this prospect, aren't you? And, and, and in a sense, Perhaps you can see why the Biden administration is perhaps in a rush, because they must fear that what happens at the midterms is they begin to lose the ability to do some of these things. So there's going to be some hellish battles fought over the course of the next 18 months. There's um, no question. And I'm seeing, I'm noticing people are leaving New York. They're leaving New York. They're, you know, taxes are getting very high. They're leaving California. They're coming to Dallas and places right. like that. I mean, they really are, you sure. know. So uh, you would have thought you would have thought that the left would have learnt the lessons that punitive taxes, in fact, give a lower tax return because people simply move. But they haven't learnt the lesson, and it's almost because I think some of them running this agenda actually hate success. Well, they're actually even going the opposite. So the idea of Biden says, I'll raise the corporate tax, and then he realizes companies will leave the United mm. States and go other places. So he says, we need a global I increase know, in corporate I know, taxes. I know. Well, we're back to the bad old days of Obama and globalization. And of course, that was why Obama supported the European Union so much. Biden has supported the European Union so much. And Trump, I'm pleased to say, believed in individual nation states running their own affairs. Yep. Well, we're going to have to take another break. When we come back, we'll talk about the future.
Nigel, it's so good to have you here because you've been through battle of hell and yet you emerged optimistic and you've brought us that positive attitude and we love it. Tell us, what can we look forward to in the future? Well, the reason I'm so positive is I achieved my life's dream. I mean, for many, many years, people thought I might become the patron saint of lost causes, but we've got there, we've done it. And as I said earlier, we've now got 70% approval. I, I actually think uh, there is great reason to be optimistic. Uh, yes, the world faces great challenges, the external challenge of the Chinese Communist Party, and, but, but then all through the history of mankind, we face these, right. these great challenges. My optimism is based on this. I think the new left are so out of touch with ordinary people. I think the agenda they're pursuing is so disastrous and so ruinous uh, that I think you reach a point sometimes where worse is better. I remember Norman Tebbit, who was Mrs Thatcher's deputy for some time, telling me a few years ago the best thing that happened to Margaret Thatcher was the 1978-79 winter of discontent. Mass strikes, rubbish piling up on the pavements of London, rats running in the street, the country falling to pieces. And Norman Tebbit said, because it got so bad, we were able to put some really radical alternative policies in place. And I think we're going through the same thing now. And I think, you know, we've mentioned it already, but critical race theory, dividing people up in terms of gender, sexuality. Uh, I, I don't believe this is sustainable. I think there is going to be a huge political backlash against it. And, you know, the Labour Party in Britain were basically saying that Britain is a horrible, nasty, ghastly, racist country and we should be ashamed of our history. And working-class families said, we're not ashamed of our history. Our grandparents and great-grandparents fought in two world wars and we're damn proud of what they did. And we know our history may, may not be perfect, but compared to most countries in the world, it's pretty blooming good. So, you know, that's why I'm optimistic. They're overplaying their hand. They're getting this wrong. And there is going to be a... And I, I will say this to you. You know, populism... Everyone talks about populism, you know, the Tea Party were the right. beginning of populism. I was doing this 17 years before the Tea Party. I am the first populist. And I can tell you, populism has got a lot, lot further to go. So, yes, about these things, I am very optimistic. Well, that's great. I, I'm concerned because of the technology and the fact that they're cancelling people off off the social media. Yep. Uh, the fact that they're trying to weaponize and get control of all of our investments. You know, the, the fear that I have, and I'm optimistic like you, but the fear that I have was the people around uh, Vladimir Lenin also, they overplayed their hand, but they just kept going and, and they put the yes. world in darkness, half the world in darkness for a long time, for a very long period of time. Yes, they did, but we still do, even though there are questions about election integrity, we do just about still live in a democratic system uh, where, where people can object and people can get things to change. And I think, I think, and the Republican Party needs to sort a few things out. You know, it, it, it's got some sure. work to do internally, but I think the midterms offer the opportunity for that really big comeback. Honestly, I do. Um, and look, Trump would have won the election easily last year if it hadn't been for COVID suddenly coming along and then mail out ballots, ballots being sent right. out indiscriminately to tens of millions of people. Without those things, he would have won. And I think we'll look back in years to come and say that 2016 wasn't the blip, but actually 2020 was the blip of a process. So I think, I, I think the realignment of politics that is going on with working people now happy to vote for more conservative ideas, I think that, that points the way forward. One thing we need is we need leadership. We need people who will stand up, do the right thing, say the right thing, regardless of the consequence. That's one role you played, and, and it was very helpful. Brexit, you know, 
would not have happened without leadership. And, and you get the award for that. You did great. Uh, we're trying to develop leaders, but on, on the grassroots level, at the financial advisor level. Yep. And we're going to be training advisors through Liberty University. Now, you got a doctorate from Liberty. I, I absolutely did. You're right. And what an amazing, I mean, you go to the morning convocation, there's sort of 15 or 16,000 students yes. there. I mean, quite remarkable. So um, I, would, uh, I, I would say that you're um, potentially fishing in a very productive pond there. I yeah. really would. No, I, I got to speak at the convocation last January. It was yeah. fabulous, before COVID hit. And it is a really remarkable campus. Yeah, the atmosphere is extraordinary. Um, nice to know that not all universities are indoctrinating our youngsters with just one ideology. We've got to get critical thinking back. We've got to get critical thinking back. Our young people need to be taught, you know, this is a point of view, that's a point of view, make your minds up. And the education system is now so poisoned that people are being taught, this is virtuous, this is evil. And we've, I mean, we've got, ma there's huge work to do. Truth is truth. Whether you think it's evil or not, it's still true. <laughs> right, right. yeah. There's a lot of work to do in all areas, but I tell you what, the whole populist revolt, the belief that democracy is more important than bureaucracy, uh, and that was really what the battle against the European Union was all about. Tough battles ahead, but huge grounds for optimism. Yeah, well, you mentioned democracy. We try and talk about moral democratic capitalism. As you know, Adam Smith, uh, he was a moral philosopher before yeah. he was an economist. So we think morality is important. Systems don't work without morality. Democratic, it's got to be fair. Everybody's got to have the same opportunity. We don't believe in equality of outcome or equity, oh, as no, they're calling no, no, it now. No, no, no. But everybody no. should have the same opportunity. And then free markets work better than, than others. Well, that's right. I think actually free markets, that, that combination of democracy and free markets, and look at countries that have used that system compared to every other system, and you will see more prosperous, happier people that live longer too. So there's no, there's no doubt in my mind about it. Um, and I, you know, to see the virus of Marxism come back. Right, you know, with a virus. <laughs> but, the, but this virus will go away. Yeah. The virus of Marxism comes back once every 25 years or so. And we have to keep fighting these battles again. Ronald Reagan said once, you know, we're only ever one generation away from losing our liberty. And that really is the long-term lesson for our side of the argument, is we have to actually stand and fight continually, perpetually, to keep liberty and freedom. Yeah, what do you like best about America? You've been on a tour, you've been here a lot. What, what yeah, I mean, I, as I say, I first worked for Drexel Burnham Lambert back in 1982, so the whole of my adult life has been very closely intertwined with the USA. What I love about America is the positivity, that we can do it, the American dream, that nothing's gonna stop us regardless of where we come from. If we work hard and have a bit of luck, we can succeed, and it's that sheer positivity that I love in America. And that's what you're bringing back. That's what, what is being stripped from us. Put the mask on, stay locked in your house, you can't go out, you can't buy this, you can't do that. Uh, you can't even talk about certain things. If you question the legitimacy of the election, you get canceled, all of these things. But you're bringing back that, uh, well, that optimism. Well, I, I, all I can say, I would, I, by the end of next week, I'd have been six weeks on the road. I would have spoken to many, 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 many thousands of people. And if, my, if I've made them just a little bit more optimistic, a little bit more determined to go out and work even harder next time, I would have done my job. Well, you're bringing the message, freedom works. Absolutely. And you're bringing it with freedom works. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's great. So you've met a lot of Americans. You're even more optimistic than when you started the tour? Yeah, I think that period of mourning um, which people were in, what I've noticed over the course of the last few weeks, uh, particularly with a lot of the news stories around critical race theory, 
uh, and what's happening in schools. And the, the slight change I've seen in these six weeks is more people are now saying, right, I'm going to run for the school board. Right, we've had enough of this. Enough is enough. So I'm seeing a bit more determination now than I was six weeks ago, definitely. Well, I appreciate what you've given is a call to America's small ships. Absolutely. So we can save, just as they saved on, from the beaches of Dunkirk, the British Expeditionary Force, we can save America. Nigel, it's been a great pleasure well, having you, you here. I hope you'll come back to the Economic War Room, and I hope you'll join us as we train our financial advisors. We'd love to have you a voice that they learn from. That would, sounds very good to me. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we're going to provide notes and put links to Nigel Farage, the America's Comeback Tour in our Economic Battle Plan. You'll get a free copy at economicwarroom.com. Remember, what we see as a marketplace, our enemies view as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room.